This podcast is brought to you by ReformationSites.com, church websites for a modern Reformation. Hear more at the conclusion of today's program. This is Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. Contentment is very much tied to desire, um, what, what we want, and then we become discontent when we don't get what we want or what we desire. Hello and welcome to Theology on the Go. I am Jonathan Master, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Dr. James Dalzell. James, how are you? I'm well, Jonathan. We are delighted to welcome a uh, a friend of the Alliance, someone who has written for uh, various Alliance sites and someone who is going to be a speaker at an upcoming Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals conference, uh, Megan Hill. Megan, thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it, it is it is our pleasure, and I want to say a couple of words about uh, the conference first of all, which is which is coming up in, in uh, Quakertown, Pennsylvania, May fourteenth and fifteenth of this year. Number of speakers, including yourself, and and I just want to introduce some of our listeners who may not be aware of all the writing that you've done. Megan is the author of A Place to Belong: Learning to Love the Local Church, Contentment, Seeing God's Goodness. Praying Together, The Priority and Privilege of Prayer in Our Homes, Communities, and Churches. And most recently, I believe it's your most recent one, Partners in the Gospel, 50 Meditations for Pastors and Elders' Wives. So, Megan, again, it's a joy to have you. And today we're going to talk about contentment, but I wanted to let our listeners know about the many things that you've written on over the years. Thanks so much, Jonathan. So why is uh, so so why is contentment so difficult for us? We look at our lives, and when we look at them uh, objectively, certainly when we look at them biblically, when we examine ourselves spiritually in our in our more sane moments, I think all of us realize that we are undeserving of the many blessings we've been given, particularly in the context in which we live, where where we have all kinds of material benefits. But but nonetheless, it seems like. For many of us, even the more blessing we receive, the harder it is for us to be content. So what's going on there? Yeah, I think contentment is one of those sins that we all struggle with and, you know, rich and poor and, uh, you know, filled with people and great circumstances and lonely and, you know, lacking all alike. All of us would say that that's something that we struggle with. I think some of it has to do with the fact that um, as human people, we're sort of very focused on the present moment and the temporal things that are right in front of our faces. And there's always this sort of sense of these things are the things that are the most important. And so we sort of grasp onto them or we compare the ones we have with the ones that our friend or neighbor has, or we look into the future and we worry that we might not have those same circumstances or things might change. And so we all the time feel this sort of sense of uncertainty that's tied up with our focus on our present circumstances or our present resources. So what's what in your in your estimation is is the is the antidote for that? So we're we're consumed with ourselves, we're consumed with our present moment, and even when we look to the future, that fills us with all kinds of anxiety. And so a lot of people are probably nodding along with that and saying, "Yeah, when I when I'm honest with myself, that is the case." 
So, so where do you direct those who recognize that they have this real problem with, with lacking contentment and what the Lord's provided? Well, you know, probably the most famous verse about contentment is from Philippians 4, and many of us memorized it in Sunday school or somewhere along the lines, you know, where Paul says, I have learned to be content. And I think that can give us some hope, right, that the great apostle Paul learned contentment. So first of all, it's, it's something that needs to be learned, um, if even Paul himself said he had to learn it. And second of all, that it can be learned and that contentment is something that the spirit loves to work in us and that Christ loves to work in us by his spirit. And it's part of our sanctification. It's part of our growth in grace. Um, but it's a process, but it's, it's a process that God's people can do uh, by his help. Megan, I wonder if you might comment on the relationship of um, contentment to gratitude or inversely uh, discontentment to ingratitude, uh, because these are, these, are, these are states of mind and heart that we can have, like you said, whether weal or woe, whether we're abounding um, or, or not um, in gratitude and kind of and maybe even comment on sort of what is what sin is at work uh, in that? What is what what sort of theologically is going on in our minds uh, when we are discontent and ungrateful? How are those related? Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right that they're sort of two sides of the same coin, as it were, and that we um, often when we are discontent, we're focusing on what we don't have or what we wish that we had or what we wish were different. When we're thankful, we're accepting from the Lord's hand what he has given us. And in fact, we're accepting it with a sense that this is what's good. And so, um, you know, uh, Jeremiah Burroughs talks about contentment and he says that it's, you know, that it's, that it's when we sweetly submit to God's will, God's providence in all things. And I think that Thanksgiving is sort of the outworking of submission to God's will. This is what you've given me, Lord. And I believe because you're good and you do all things that are right, I believe by faith that this is the best possible thing. And so I'm going to give thanks for it. You know, Paul says he gave to give thanks in all circumstances, because we know that the things that come into our lives are given to us by the hand of a loving God. And so we can give thanks for them. And I do think that one of the antidotes to contentment then is practicing thankfulness and being very diligent to give thanks, you know, first of all, for our spiritual blessings, for Christ himself and for the gift of the spirit and for the love of the father for us demonstrated on the cross and then extending outward, even to those difficult circumstances we have with, as I said, the heart of faith that trusts that, that this is from a good God. And so it must be what's good. I've often wondered, Megan, if, if there's a sense in which that the discontentment as you've described it is really at the root of almost all the manifestations of sin we see, we're doubting that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness to quote second Peter, or that, that he has, he, he is sustaining us, that he is good, that he is a father to us, a good father to us. Um, and, and it seems as if the more you dive into this question of contentment, the more you realize that it, it really lies just beneath the surface of almost any other sin that I'll engage in. I'm trying to grasp a hold of something thinking that I can bless myself better than 
the Lord himself can. And I, and I know what's best for me better than, better than God does. Did, did you, as you, as you explored it, was that the, the sense that you got that this is, this is really behind so much of, of our sin? Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, in the early part of Romans where Paul gives sort of this damning exposition of these horrible sins that the world has fallen hard after. And he said, he sort of concludes this mounting list of damning evidence of sins by saying, and they neither glorify God in their hearts, nor were thankful or nor give, gave thanks. And that's sort of the, you know, the culmination of all these horrible sins is fundamentally deep down in our hearts, we're not thankful. And um, that again, as we've said, sort of the flip side of discontent is Thanksgiving. And so I think it does lead to all kinds of sin in our hearts, um, whether it's grumbling, whether it's anxiety, whether it's anger and frustration, whether it's greed, you know, theft, you know, all these things come out of a heart that says, I didn't get what was right. I didn't get what was good. And so now I'm going to try and change circumstances on my own. I think of the question we sometimes ask, you know, someone, how are you doing? And some Christians give the response. I like it um, better than I deserve. And I wonder if you might comment on just even that aspect of it, that, that sense of deserving that really dogs each one of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's true. I think no matter how often we sort of tell ourselves, oh, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. But really deep down, we feel like we should have a treat now and then, or we feel like things we've worked pretty hard. Right. And so we should have something. So I think a right understanding of our circumstances sort of does begin, like you said, with the sense that everything that I have is from God's hand. Um, And there's nothing that I've done to deserve anything. In fact, what I deserve is only the wrath and judgment of God. And so then in that light, um, the circumstances that I do have, the good things that have come into my life are something that's totally of grace and are from the Lord. And I think then recognizing too, that everything that comes into our lives is from the Lord is not something we've earned or deserve, um, can also save us from, um, you know, sort of blaming ourselves as it were unhelpfully for difficult circumstances in our lives, but instead recognizing even these difficult circumstances are, I mean, sometimes they're chastisement from the Lord. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're just a result of life in a fallen world, but all of them have God's good purpose in mind of making me more like Christ. And so even those difficult things, I don't look to myself for an answer for them, but I look for what the Lord might be doing in me through them. As you as you consider uh, how to cultivate this in yourself, and then how to cultivate this in others, I'm thinking even of you know children who are under our care, or or those uh, others whom we may have some influence or authority over. What you you already mentioned being intentional in practicing thankfulness in 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 expressing gratitude to the Lord. Are there other specific things that are are important for us to cultivate uh, practices, behaviors, or even even uh, uh, biblical truths for reflection that that are, are sort of key to to getting at this issue of, of contentment and discontent? Yeah, I mean, contentment is very much tied to desire. Um, what what we want 
And then we become discontent when we don't get what we want or what we desire. So it seems to me that some part of contentment comes in shaping our desires and having desires that are shaped by the spirit. And, um, you know, Puritan writer Jeremiah Burroughs, who wrote about contentment, said, you know, we come to contentment not so much by addition, but by subtraction, um, not by adding to the things that we get, but by subtracting from the things that we want. Um, and I think there's something in there. We need to want the right things. And um, that's, of course, very countercultural. I mean, we live in a day and age when what you desire, what you want is not something that could ever be changed or anybody could ever tell you ought to be changed. But that's not what the scripture says. I mean, you know, we think about the Lord's Prayer, right? In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is teaching the disciples what they should want, what they should desire, and then telling them to ask him for it. And those are the things that he's then pleased to give. And so even something as simple as the Lord's Prayer is really a manual in what we should want. You know, we should want his kingdom to come. We should want his will to be done. We should want the things that we need. Um, we should want our sins forgiven. You know, that, that even that simple rubric of the Lord's Prayer trains our desires to the things that we should want. And it also trains us to want the things that the Lord is going to give and that the Lord promises that he will give. And when the things that the Lord grants and the things that we want match, then that's the place where we reach contentment. Yeah. And our desires are, are e extraordinarily valuable real estate and everyone's vying for a place there. And, and, uh, and, and then, and we're told that they, as you said, ha ha are things, are things that we have to always gratify. Um, but, but it is striking how in, in our particular era, everyone is aware of the fact that, you know, your, your desires are, are desirable to, uh, to other people. There, there's a real battle going on for them. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we have to be aware of that, that every, ad that comes up on the computer has been carefully calibrated to pique our desires. And we need to have desires that are rightly trained by the word of God and not by the next thing that shows up on our screens. Megan, you mentioned Jeremiah Burroughs a couple of times, and, and that is an outstanding volume. I think James and I would both uh, recommend that to our listeners. Are there other books that you found particularly helpful uh, in, in your in-depth study of this topic or, or, or personally helpful as you wrestled through it in your own life? Yeah. Um, one thing that I find helpful um, is always the Westminster Larger Catechism. And um, I find the Larger Catechism's treatment, particularly of the 10th commandment, which is about coveting, just mm -hmm. unpacking that, you know, the, um, the Westminster Catechisms as they treat the commandments, as you know, they treat them sort of both positively and negatively. What are, you know, what are we called to do? What are we called to avoid? And the larger catechism, of course, goes into even more depth than the shorter catechism. But I find um, those questions and answers on all the commandments, but particularly on the 10th commandment to be quite helpful. Um, you know, it says in there that we have a duty um, to further all that good, which is my neighbors. Um, and that was so helpful to me when I realized that, you know, not only so in the, in the um, context of contentment, right. Our temptation is to look at my neighbor and go, wow, my neighbor has that really good thing, man. I wish I could have that, you know, and then I'm coveting, but, but no, the catechism says, actually, 
you have a desire to further all that good, to, to pray that the Lord would give them more of that good thing, to pray that they would enjoy it, to pray that it would be a blessing to them. You know, how, how strange is that to, to the worldly mind? And yet that's what the Lord can do in you, that you would look at your neighbor and think, that is so great that my neighbor has that. I want him to have more of it, you know? Lord bless him in that. And, and that's just such a striking picture of contentment to me. Um, uh, William Barclay, Dr. Bill Barclay has a book called, um, what's it called? The Secret of Contentment, um, in which he sort of unpacks both Thomas Watson and Jeremiah Burroughs, two great Puritan writers who wrote on contentment and sort of brings them to a modern audience um, and sort of unpacks some truths from there. That is, that's a great book. Um, and Melissa Kruger has one called The Envy of Eve, which is about covetousness and contentment. And she looks at some Old Testament examples of coveting and God's grace and bringing contentment. Um, and that's a, that's a really helpful one as well. Well, Megan, thanks so much for giving us your time today. Uh, we really appreciate it. We also appreciate your labors in writing. Um, I know that many of our listeners have benefited from your books. I have benefited. My family has benefited from your, your uh, some of your writings. And so thank you for that. And, and again, thanks for, thanks for giving us a few minutes of your day today. Thanks so much for having me. Well, James, that's a that's a relevant topic for sure. Uh, contentment is one of those things, and covetousness, uh, the kind of flip side of it, is one of those things that really exposes our our deep sinfulness. Uh, I was thinking as as Megan was was talking about the Apostle Paul's description of his own heart and how and how undone in a sense he was by by the tenth commandments. These are these are issues that go straight to the the depths of our of our sinfulness. There are debates uh, among theologians about what exactly was the first sin, uh, whether you're speaking of Lucifer or of Adam and Eve, um, and some say um, pride and some say unbelief. Uh, but I think uh, underneath all of that, uh, we could definitely say there was a discontentment with the Lord's good provision, both to those angels who fell uh, and to those humans who fell as well. Um, and I think this is actually where Satan is trying to attack Christ in the wilderness as well, where just like he did with Israel in the wilderness before, uh, he tempts them with regard to God's provision, and he tempts them with regard to that sense of self-deserving, I deserve better than I have. Uh, and I think this is what he's doing with Jesus. If you are the son of God, command these stones to turn to bread. And I think the the, the temptation there is... Um, if you're a son of God, you should be treated better than this. Uh, and Jesus responds uh, with the words of Deuteronomy 8, uh, that man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I love the context of that because Moses is really telling the people there, that's what you should have. That's how you should mm -hmm. have responded rather than, as Megan mentioned, grumbling and discontentment. You should have uh, reposed yourself on God and in his provisions. And I, I really think the, the model of contentment uh, par excellence, it goes without saying, I suppose, is Christ Jesus himself. When he is tempted to be discontent with the Father's provision, uh, he shows himself to be doggedly content um, and resolved uh, to be content. Um, and I, I find that a challenge. The book that she mentioned, by the way, of uh, Jeremiah Burroughs, yes. the, the rare, rare jewel of Christian contentment. Yeah. Have, you've read it. I've read it. Man, that, that book cuts me to pieces every time. And even worse is actually rereading it and seeing all the things you underlined from the time <laughs> you read it before. Right. <laughs> and you're right. thinking to yourself, 
God, again, give me contentment. Help me desire yeah. better and be content with your provision. Well, you're right. It's it's um it's a topic that is always convicting. You know, I was struck too when you were describing um that Adam's Adam and Eve's sin in the garden. Um how often the garden is described as as very good and I've given you everything. And mm. and and that's the that's the kind of description we get over and over of God's provision for us. And so our our deviation from his his commands is is really revealing how uh, how much we question that in our in our own covetousness and discontentment. Well, it is a perennially important and convicting subject. And if you'd like to uh, think about it more, I would remind you again of the upcoming conference, which is an online. It will be live streamed. It's it's the uh, Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals Quakertown Women's Conference for this year, but it's going to be live streamed on Facebook and YouTube, May 14th and 15th. And among the speakers will be uh, Megan Hill speaking on contentment. We, we are always grateful when you reach out to us um, as, as listeners, we would, we would encourage you to consider uh, looking at, at Megan's books. Those are available on reformedresources.org. If you have questions for us, for James, and or I directly uh, feel free to to uh, send an email via the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. If you know anyone who might benefit from either this particular episode or other episodes of the podcast, please pass it along. If you have the chance to go and rate and review the podcast, that helps us get the word out also. And, and if you're in a position where you can donate, uh, you can do that at, at alliancenet.org. There's a donate button there or placefortruth.org, also a place for you to donate to the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. And on behalf of, of James and myself and the team at the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, we thank you for listening to Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. So you'd like to do more with your church's website, especially in this day and age when keeping your members and visitors informed is so important. Hi, Eric here from Reformed Media. I've developed Reformation Sites as an easy-to-use website platform to help Reformed churches like yours reach out more effectively. With beautiful mobile-ready designs to choose from, helpful service, and useful features such as Sermon Manager, online bulletins, courses, and notifications, your website will be ready the next time a major event happens. It also integrates with other popular services like Sermon Audio, online donations, and live streaming with pricing that fits into any church budget. Take advantage of this month's special offer of 50% off the website setup fee by using the code 2021 to redeem the offer. The first 30 signups may also receive a free wordmark logo designed for their church. Go to reformationsites.com to get started today or call me, Eric, at 561 561- 9006886 to explore the possibilities. Reformation sites, church websites for a modern reformation.